The readings from today come from Luke 1. During the rule of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abjah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, blameless in their observance of all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving as a priest before God because his priestly division was on duty. Following, following the customs of priestly service, he was chosen by lottery to go to the Lord's sanctuary and burn incense. All the people who gathered to worship were praying outside during this hour of incense offering. An angel from the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and overcome with fear. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine and liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord, equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children, and he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in God's presence. I was sent to speak to you and to bring this good news to you. Know this, when I have spoken with what I have spoken will come true at the proper time. But because you didn't believe, you will remain silent, unable to speak until the day when these things happen. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you over all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah, because that was his father's name. But his mother replied, No, his name will be John. They said to her, None of your relatives have that name. Then they began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call him. After asking for a tablet, he surprised everyone by writing, His name is John. 
At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, and he began praising God. All their neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully. They said, What then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zao. I am loving this series that we're doing called Prepare She the Way of the Lord. We're talking about all the women involved in the Advent story, this preparation for the inbreaking of Jesus into the world. When God becomes flesh, God recruits women into the scene, along with many others. But those women, they deserve to have their stories told, and we're putting our energy behind that this season and this series. Like the parables, stories surrounding the birth of Jesus have many interpretations, a multiplicity of meaning. And they had better because they are stories that we revisit over and over and over again. In the same way that we talk about communion every week, every time we gather, and we discern new meaning and what it means for us that day, that moment. Each year around the lead up to Christmas, we, re re we revisit some of the same stories and find new meaning for this moment. In this way, the, the gospels, the truth, the scriptures, it is God's living word that isn't supposed to be self-contained in the past with one fixed meaning, but a, a living story, a living history that comes alive through our telling and our meaning making. And those meanings change. Sometimes those changes are big, sometimes small. But we come back to the stories for new meaning every year. Now this whole explanation is partly my way of saying, if you want to hear a very different take on today's story, particularly from the perspective of Zechariah, you can just go back to last year. We did a series called Hark, where leading up to the birth of Jesus, we focused on the proclamations of angels. And as there is a pretty important one in this story, we talked about it and Zechariah. But this year, in Prepare She the Way of the Lord, we are looking at this from Elizabeth's perspective. And it's a very different story told this way. Elizabeth is the only woman that we're focusing on this season who's not directly named in Jesus' genealogy. But she's still family to Jesus and to Jesus' people. Last week, we talked about how chosen family is holy. And in the scriptures, Elizabeth is called a cousin of Mary's. Does this mean a biological cousin? Does this mean kind of a, a cousin, a chosen family? It doesn't really matter. What matters is that they have chosen to be family to one another, whether that was initiated by kind of a biological connection or just through the love they had for one another. In any case, we see that Elizabeth is family to Mary and consequently to Jesus. And so as we are talking about the women who prepared the way for the birth of Jesus, we would be remiss if we didn't give ample time to Elizabeth. So I want to recap this story for you, um, not just let it sink in through the reading of the scripture, but to tell it. This is a long story in the scriptures. We didn't even read all of the parts of it. 
And that should really catch our attention. You see, the scriptures are covering thousands of years of history. So every story we have is like the most condensed Cliff Notes version possible. I personally would never make it as a Bible writer. I love a good detail, a little, little flourish to a story. In any case, we have this story that has been condensed, and yet even condensed, it is paragraphs and paragraphs in a book where lots of stories get no more than a couple of verses. So in this story, we're introduced to Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. Now, they both come from priestly traditions. We see that Elizabeth is in Aaron's tradition, in in the priestly tradition, and Zechariah is a priest in the community. He has priestly responsibilities anyway. And when we talk about priests in Jesus's context, we sometimes talk about those who were appointed by Rome. They were the kind of middle management Roman collaborators. This is not one of them. Um, Zechariah was more like local rotating priest duty. He got called up a couple times a year to serve at the temple. Now, scripture says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were very old. We don't really know what that means. In scripture, that could mean a lot of things. Noah was said to have lived for 950 years. And also, the lifespan, on average, that we know of in Jesus' time was 35 years. So, very old, scripture-wise, could mean 900 or 34. The particularities of their old age are not really that important here. What is important is this understanding that their lives had been different than they planned. They had reached old age, whatever that meant, without ever having children. Scriptures tell us that there was something medical going on with Elizabeth. And it would have been really culturally and economically difficult to thrive in that situation without any kids. It's very likely for a number of reasons that Zechariah and Elizabeth very badly wanted children and had been trying. And it didn't happen for years, maybe decades. And in that context, when you try and try to get pregnant and it doesn't happen, if it ever does, it's a miracle. In any case, they had long given up hope that Elizabeth could become pregnant. And at this point in the story, Zechariah leaves for his priestly duties. From Elizabeth's perspective, we now jump a whole bunch of verses. We know that what happens to Zechariah is this encounter with the angel, but Elizabeth is at home. And when Zechariah comes home from the temple, he can no longer speak. Now, we don't know how she gets her understanding of what in the world is going on here. Maybe Zechariah writes it all out for her. Maybe there's an elaborate game of charades. Maybe she gets her own visit from Gabriel that just didn't make it into the scriptures. Either way, her reaction to this incredible news seems to be different. We know from the scriptures that Zechariah is skeptical, but Elizabeth, she seems game. The disbelief that Zechariah has somehow silences him, 
Again, you can check back to those other sermons for theories as to why. Scripture implies that his disbelief is directly responsible for his inability to communicate, to proclaim the good thing that God is doing, that somehow he can't speak because he doesn't truly believe it. But Elizabeth must because she becomes pregnant and can absolutely proclaim. It is clear what she believes, that she will have this child, that he will be awesome and weird and important, that she will name him John, a name not in the family, but a name given by the angel. John, who will be John the Baptist. John, who will also prepare the way for the Lord and invite others to do so as well. Now, there's another section we didn't include in the reading because it was so long already because Elizabeth's story gets so much play here. Again, an indication of just how important this is. So I'd like to read you another section. It says, When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen, since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, officially, we aren't really getting into Mary's story until next week, but it's actually quite difficult to separate the stories if you want to tell them with any kind of continuity. And I think that's kind of a point. I have had to sit with these stories. It's one of the enormous pleasures of my job that I get to sit with these scriptures and, and just let them wash over me, think about what God might be saying to me, to us, to this community through the scriptures in this time. And what stands out to me about this story is that there are many miracles happening here. But one of them is the friendship and support between these two women who both said yes to God's invitation into miracle and both had to go it not alone, but with each other. You see, God doesn't leave us to our own devices when we say yes. When we 
dive headfirst into the incredible work that God is doing in the world. God doesn't imagine that we just soldier on on our own, especially when we're in difficult situations like Elizabeth with her pregnancy in her old age or Mary in her pregnancy unwed and young. God has a kind of cosmic buddy system in place with Elizabeth and Mary. And in fact, when Mary, in a much more precarious situation because she is young and unmarried and betrothed, when she's unsure, when she's like, I don't know about this God, what the angel tells her to get her on board is, listen, it's, it's Elizabeth too. You're not alone. To be fair, Mary's response of doubt is actually quite similar to Zechariah's. How? And I'm not really sure. Scripture doesn't tell us the full weight of the difference because when Zechariah says how, the angel says, Ugh, you don't get it and you're not going to be able to talk about it until you get it. But with Mary, when Mary says, uh, how, the angel says, look at what God is doing for Elizabeth. And Mary's like, okay, all right. All right, I'm in. Let's go. And it reminds me of uh, Dr. Calvin Morris, who was an incredible um, civil rights activist uh, for many decades, including um, being the executive director at Community Renewal Society, where I worked for many years. And uh, we called him DOCMO, affectionately. Dr. Morris would speak in front of many crowds of people trying to gear themselves up for uh, difficult or frightening acts of justice and boldness in their communities. And one of the things that he used to repeat a lot is a lyric from a hymn he adored. It was, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Let each victory aid us, the next one to win. You may hear me repeat that, even though the song is not as close to my heart, Dr. Morris is. And that encouragement is, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Let each victory aid us, the next one to win. And it seems like it's not just good advice for us trying to build off of what's going well, off of what we are inspired by in one another, but it's an actual strategy of God's. Build off of those victories. Turn one into another and another. Elizabeth is on board. Elizabeth is pregnant. Elizabeth is in. Can that help Mary get on board? Can that give her the confidence that she needs to also say yes and dive in and let God invite her fully into this difficult and wonderful miracle. Mary is no longer alone, and so she can imagine saying, let it be so, I'm in. And now that Mary has said, I'm in, not only is Mary not alone, but Elizabeth isn't either. You see, Elizabeth had been on her own, it sounds like, for the first six months of pregnancy. She was older. She'd been around the block. She knew about pregnancies for sure by then. But her pregnancy was miraculous. And pregnancy can be hard and isolating. And so can miracles if you're the only one who really understands what is at work. She can't talk to Zechariah about it. He doesn't get it. He's not on board yet and is unable to speak to her. He's still in a place of doubt and uncertainty 
But Elizabeth, she's all in. And so six months in, here comes Mary. Mary walks through the door, and Elizabeth is elated to see her, instantly recognizes what's up, as does John inside of her, who leaps at seeing Mary. And Mary probably didn't, like, text ahead to announce that she was dropping by. Mary just shows up. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Mary just found out that she's pregnant. Probably no one knows yet, or not many people know, or if they do know, it hasn't gone over well. And Mary walks in, and Elizabeth is like, I know what's happening to you, and it's amazing. And she makes this declaration, oh my gosh, you have been blessed. Blessed are you who believe. You get it. And Elizabeth gets so excited. You get it. I see what's happening to you, and you see it too. And there was this kindred spirit exchange, this shared experience of miracle that they were able to bond over. There was a shared experience of pregnancy as well. And it says that Mary stayed three months with Elizabeth, basically all of Mary's first trimester and all of Elizabeth's third. Now, pregnancy is complicated. It's hard even in modern times. Our culture likes to tell us that pregnancy is all sunshine and baby bumps and some sort of mysterious glow people get. But most of my loved ones who have been pregnant were, for at least the first trimester, pulling over to the side of the road to vomit every day on the way to work, or falling asleep at their desks in between meetings, or literally unable to function for days at a time. Our culture encourages us to keep that under wraps, to not even tell anyone. But Mary is going through all of this, not only with all of that potential burden, but also very, very young. She's never been pregnant before. She's not married yet. Probably the people around her don't believe her what she's going through, or the miraculous and joyful elements of it. For her to be able to go to Elizabeth to be together in a shared experience, to be together in trust and support. And for Elizabeth, just a little further on her pregnancy journey, but much further in her journey of life, to be able to share her wisdom, that is a priceless provision of God's. That Elizabeth, who has been around the block, Elizabeth, who has surely seen her loved ones through pregnancies and births, that Elizabeth, who is having her own miraculous moment, can be a support for Mary, entering this journey, this frightening thing that's happening to her body and her life and her relationships, and lean on Elizabeth, not only for that kind of support of you know what's going through my body, but also you know how wild and weird and exciting and terrifying this all is. This is one of the ways that God works miracles in us. We often like to talk about miracles as though we just lean back, recline, and relax while God's magic rains down. But that's actually not the way that God seems to like to do miraculous things. This seems to be the kind of miracle that God prefers, the miracle of friendship between women 
the miracle of wisdom passed down, the miracle of sharing our struggle instead of locking it up or hiding it away. Elizabeth participated in a miracle of God's, not only by becoming pregnant, not only by believing and proclaiming, not only by being faithful to that word, but also by opening her heart to Mary, by participating in Mary's miracle. And the result, it's incredible. Next week, we will talk about something called the Magnificat. This is a song that Mary sings. It's when she talks about how the lowly will be lifted up and the mighty cast down for their throne, from their thrones. And it is, other than the birth of Jesus, the thing that Mary is most remembered for. Her song, her magnificent song, the Magnificat. And who does she sing that song to? It's not to a crowd gathered at the temple. It's not to Joseph. It's not even to baby Jesus. She sings her prophetic song to Elizabeth. Her friend, her family, her confidant, the one who sees her and believes her, the one who helps her see what kind of a miracle she's truly in. Elizabeth's kindness Elizabeth's support creates the way for that miracle to keep expounding on itself, keep building. It furthers the miracle into more miracles. Each victory builds on the next one to win more and more beauty into the world. And in this way, Elizabeth's yes, Elizabeth's belief, Elizabeth's take me there, we'll see how it goes, and her pregnancy with John, it builds towards Mary's yes and her pregnancy with Jesus, which brings the two of them together, to which Elizabeth responds with proclamation, an incredible thing is happening to you, Mary, which inspires perhaps the most beautiful prophetic song ever sung, a truth proclaimed that we still use today as an anchor in our belief of liberation and hope, passed on, then from Elizabeth and Mary to the rest of us for generations. But first, brought to light between these two women, together in a moment of miracle. It is a holy calling to support one another. It is a holy calling to be kind to one another, to share our wisdom, to take one another under our wing. Elizabeth the wise prepared the way for Jesus in the world because she prepared Mary to be ready for Jesus. She prepared Mary for her own beautiful, powerful revelations of truth. And they did so simply by loving one another in the most ordinary and extraordinary of ways. We are all called to ordinary miracles. And I am so grateful that the scriptures point us towards this one, that wild mixture of Elizabeth and her fantastical pregnancy, and also her miraculous kindness and wisdom and companionship. May we all be blessed with those ordinary miracles. And may we all have the courage to say yes, like Elizabeth the wise. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, 
We know your hand is at work in all things, including the kindness and openness of our hearts. May we learn from these women who built off of each other's generosity of spirit to see more and more of your truth and to proclaim it into the world in ways that are passed down from generation to generation. May we learn from the women that you claim as ancestors in the line of Jesus. May we proudly look to them about how to prepare the way for you in this world. Amen.